I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to My Perfect Console. I'm Simon Parkin and in each episode I invite a guest to pick the five video games they would like to immortalise on their very own fictional games machine. Perhaps it was the first game they received as a birthday present or the one that so obsessed them it caused them to fail their exams or maybe it was the only thing that got them through a difficult breakup. Games a bit like songs often become powerfully attached to a particular moment in our lives. When we return to them, they can become warp points to the past. So join me, Simon Parkin, for my perfect console. My guest today is is a British Ghanaian writer and advocate for inclusion and diversity in the video game industry. Having graduated from the University of Westminster with a degree in creative writing with English literature, she founded Melanin Gamers, a support community for people of colour who play video games or who want to join the game industry but feel unsure that there is a place for them within it. The initiative, which has more than 4,000 members worldwide, has hosted tournaments, worked alongside Microsoft and the Princess Trust, and in 2021, Barnett's Big Idea Entrepreneurial Prize. That same year, my guest novel, A Thousand Natural Shocks, was longlisted for the Lucy Cavendish Prize, Cambridge University's Literary Award for Unpublished Women Authors. She is currently writing a graphic novel about a young boy with sickle cell anemia, as well as representing the Ghanaian Esports Federation in international relations. Welcome, Annabelle Ashley Anthony. Thank you so much for that very warm welcome. <laughs> Oh, it's nice to meet you. Did I say your name correct there? Yes, you did. Okay, that's good. That's a relief. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks so much for, for talking to me, Annabelle. How do you like describe what Melanin Gamers is to people who haven't heard of it? 
I describe it as a gaming community that promotes inclusion and diversity in the video games industry. Right, yeah. And uh, tell me about how it how it came about. I read that it, that it was to do with an experience that your brother Alan had while playing online. Is is that correct? And, yeah. and if so, can you tell me about it? I mean, it was to do with a lot of things, to be honest. It was a different experiences that I had, that I saw people having, um, just looking at the gaming industry and the games that I played and not seeing the representation that I wanted and my own experiences. And so, and we've been talking, like I say we, because I have a lot of friends who are gamers. My brother's also a game too. So a lot of us were always complaining like, oh, there's only that one black character. And it was always just like talk, like, oh, we should do something about this. Why is this happening? Why are they doing this? I guess the that's why I say, that's why I, I cite the example that happened to my brother as like, I guess the last straw. <laughs> it was one of the series of last straws because there was a few incidents around that time. And I was just like, how can this keep happening? So when, when, was, when was this? Oh, this was, I mean, what happened to my brother was, I guess, maybe a few months before I properly started Meddling Gamers. I have two brothers. <laughs> one of them is Alan. He works with me at Meddling Gamers, actually. And the other one is Adam, uh-huh. who's younger. He's, he's, our, he's the youngest. So Alan was playing Overwatch and wants to be Grandmaster. That's like, the creme de la creme of that's like the height of overwatch basically yeah and he said that if he could make grandmaster whilst holding down a full-time job then technically it means he would have been top 500 in overwatch <laughs> <laughs> that's his rationale and so he was playing with a team he was getting he was on his way to being um grandmaster but his own team were being racist towards him Please. and i was just like oh he really wants to make grandmaster but this team is really bad and my sister heard it. She's not a gamer, our, our older sister. And she was like, what's happening? What is this? Like, pause the game. That's how little she knows about. She overheard it coming through the yeah, TV she speakers? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he was playing it out loud. And she called our parents in and they were just like, why are they doing this to you? This is his own teammates, not even the enemy team, which would be understandable. So what, they're just calling him names and stuff, yeah, you mean? Yeah, like racial slurs and things like that. <laughs> and right. they said he should stop playing Overwatch. And he did play Overwatch for three months. He wasn't allowed to. And so... How, how old was he at the time? Um, He was in his early 20s. Okay, right, yeah. yeah. I can't remember the exact age that he was. And then Adam saw this whole situation and he was being bullied in school and he didn't say anything because to him, he saw what happened to Alan as like, oh, well, something he did something wrong for them to be bullying him. And I was just like, yes. so he saw it in reverse, like you got your favorite thing taken away from you because of bullying. Yes. And I was just like, you're too young Correct. to think that there's something wrong with you because you're getting bullied. That's why you're getting bullied. Yes. And that's sort of how online gaming works. You know, when, when even when I went online for the first time, I was like, oh, mute your mic, do this, make sure you pick a name that doesn't sound like a feminine name. There was all these things I had to do because there was bullies online, which were just an accepted part of the gaming experience yes. <laughs> and, and so i was just like this can't go on so this is i guess particularly like with um any online games where women pop up often they can you know be the subject of comments or whatever and, exactly you know, exactly unwanted attention i guess in real life but even but on on games it's even more pronounced right because you you're behind the screen and all of that yeah. kind of thing and, and and it was just like it was having real world consequences this was more than just our like, oh, gaming and i keep this was having like an effect on how Adam was seeing the world and at such a young age. And I was just like, this, <clears throat> we can't just be accepting this anymore because that's kind of what we do. We just kind of accept how gaming is and that's just how it is. And so I was like, no, <laughs> no more of this. 
Um, and my brother was like, who wins if I stop losing? And those words really stuck to me. Like he stopped playing his favorite game, which is not the best, but it's just like the bullies win ultimately in the end because they continued playing. Maybe they made um, Grandmaster, I'm not sure. But he didn't get to make Grandmaster mm. because of something that was out of his control. So that's, those are like the driving factors of me starting learning game. So yeah. their, their bad behavior led to your brother essentially being punished mm. and being the victim of that exactly. in some way. And so you were hoping with Melanin Gamers to, I, am I right in thinking, create a community where people could play together at Overwatch and other games where yeah. perhaps they're going to feel, you know, they're, they're just not going to be targeted or victimized or made called names or whatever. Exactly. Is that the idea? Yeah. Yep, that was definitely the idea behind that. How do people like find each other then? How do you put them in contact? Is it just literally sharing gamer tags and PSN IDs yeah. on your website? Oh no, not on our website. Goodness no. Um, on, in our we have a Discord. Okay. So we yeah, all yeah. sort of like there's quite a lot of us, and you have to sort of um sign up to our Discord. Uh, you can't just come in because just to like make sure that trolls. We do get quite a few with well, a name like Melanie Gamers. We're we're bound to attract a few trolls. I say a few, but quite a lot of trolls. Really? So that's why we have a sign-up sheet, so that just to stop them from coming into our protected space. People who know nothing about video games kind of know that the video game industry, not the industry, people who play video games, particularly teenagers, it can be a highly toxic environment. Mm. It's just well known for that, right? It is, yeah. You could ask most people in the street, why do you Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's particularly around video games that this kind of behaviour seems to happen? Is it just that that's where the kids are? Um, no, I don't. I, I think it's online. It's an online thing. Mm-hmm. Like you'll find Reddit threads that are very toxic. Twitter. It's a lack of account- accountability. Um, being a, like a keyboard warrior, there's no punishment as well. You can say whatever you want. If you did that in real life, someone would probably hit you, <laughs> you know? So you'd probably be like, hmm, should I say this thing out loud? This mm-hmm. There's a consequence to your action. So you'll rethink whether you should do that action online can say whatever you want and you can get away with it and so you can keep doing that and then it will create a culture of we can all just say whatever we want in this space we're all going to get away with it so like why don't we continue doing this and that sort of breeds that toxicity and then when you go into that space and everyone else is doing it you can you can start doing it as well you know so that's why it's sort of like a vicious cycle yeah yeah. so you you said part of the work of melanin gamers is to provide a community for like-minded people and people from similar backgrounds to play together in a safe kind of environment. But also at the start, you said that it was born out of a slight frustration of like a lack of representation, maybe within video games themselves, a lack of diversity, that that was something that you and your friends were talking about. You know, how do you, why do you think that's important to have increased representation of underrepresented groups how does that benefit uh, people in the the industry why is it a good thing to have well diversity is my brother does knows the statistic on this more than i do but actually make more money and create better games well more more well-rounded games you know teams that are everyone looks the same acts the same um you're going to create the same kind of game over and over again which will get stale and repetitive so that the benefit of creating having a diverse team is actually better for the industry in terms of like if we're talking about just the money and how much money they can make but in terms of representation what it means to people to see themselves represented you can't be what you can't see when you see somebody that looks like you and it's like oh i can attain this as well when you when you are faced in an environment where nobody looks like you it's intimidating as hell and you're just like oh well 
is this something, is this a, a path that I can break into if nobody here looks like me? And I'm not saying it's com- like no one will break into that path because no one looks like them, but it is a deterrent, you know, when you see that yeah. and you're just like, nobody here looks like me. How will I be able to break in? Is this space for me as well? There are many gamers who who won't even realize, like for example me, I love writing. That's one of my favorite things to do. I love gaming. I didn't know there was such a thing as a games writer until I started Meneline Gamers. I didn't know that right. was even a career. Mm-hmm. And a lot of when we go into schools, especially schools that are in underprivileged areas, they they just, when we say, how does a game, how's a game made? Oh, a programmer does it. Does the game from start to finish. <laughs> and that's, that's their idea of a game being made. I was like, there's writers, there's music, there's all of that sort of stuff. And it's also about education, Mm. you know, in these areas, especially where a career in gaming is not even something that's even heard of. So Mm. that's Mm. why it's also important to increase the representation so that they know that these spaces are also for them as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh, important to say that the UK games industry body, UK, put out a report that just 2% of people working in the UK games industry come from the black and brown community. Exactly. Um, So yeah, worth it's uh, the stats very much back up what you say um just for like a positive i guess note as well to introduce that you work a lot with companies in this space to sort of help them put on events that are are diverse and and welcoming um can you shout out any video game companies that have shown themselves to be you know both active and authentic in in supporting this kind of work i mean i know loads of companies say that they are but which ones have you seen actually follow through on that well, Yuki, for one, as you just mentioned, we have worked with them on different things and we're part of the um, Raise the Game pledge. EA, I want to say EA have really, I think, really shown that they're actually trying to do something and work hard and, and, and try to bridge the gap as well when it comes to the different things that they're doing. And the schemes, even though we haven't personally worked with them, Rocksteady, I've seen that they've been working with other companies um, and they are really trying to increased representation so i will say that even though we haven't personally worked with them <laughs> they are doing what you know that they said that they would kind of do and there's a lot of follow-through because i think a lot of companies there's a lot of formative activism but some of these companies what they said that they wanted to do they are actually doing it as well yeah oh that's great okay Adabel, well let's talk about some video games so i've asked you to pick the five video games you'd like to put on your ideal fictional games machine uh, you've picked five brilliant games here really excited to chat about these um, why don't you tell us about your first game, which is from 2004. What is it and uh, why do you love it? Um, San Andreas. Why do I love Salonis? Why wouldn't anyone like a GTA game? There are so many things to do with that one game. If you want to race, there's racing. You want to um, fight, there's fighting. Shooting, there's so many genres in one game if you think about GTA. Um, I guess San Andreas has a special place in my heart because it was the game that made me realize I wanted to be a gamer. Like, 
I played games before. One of the first games I played was like Mario on N64, like old school. But I played GTA from start to finish. The storyline, everything that I could do in the game, I was just like, this is so cool. This this thing that I can do, like this world that I can jump into. I want to keep doing this too. Me forever and so and i remember that was such a distinct memory when i complete the game and i was just sat there like oh my god this is amazing yeah i'm gonna keep playing the i want uh, is there more things like this like that was when like i was like oh i want to be a gamer i want to be playing games so that's why that has like such an important memory for me yeah you know, because of that that reason yeah so it was like the the grand theft auto that was set, set in the state of the fictional state of san andreas mm. i think it's the state isn't it or it's a huge area anyway the game is yeah it just is. massive isn't it and you play as i can't remember the protagonist's name but he's sort of from the hood isn't he it's an american set game and um uh and it's all about his progress out of that situation isn't it so who how old were you when when you were playing that game <laughs> Not old enough. <laughs> that game was an 18. I'm not trying to get you in you trouble. I was, not, I was an 18 at the time I was playing that game. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, so was that, was that something that your brothers had got hold of? That's why you got to play it? Or no, no my, you, my brothers are younger than me. I'm older than them. Oh, right. So if anything, oh, okay. <laughs> I was a bad influence. <laughs> my parents, they got that for us. Oh, they did. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, out my parents here. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, they were just like, oh, yeah, it's this game. Here you go. Um, and games were always bought for good grades. So it was always like a special moment. Like, okay, I want that game. And they wouldn't refuse us because they were like, we kept, you kept your uh-huh. deal. You get to end of the bargain. So now pick any game. And it was, it was GTA. I want it, son. <laughs> so tell me, where, where did you grow up? Was it in, in London or, or Ghana as well? No, I grew up, I grew up here in London. I've, I've grown up a few places actually. Uh, lived in Canada for a bit, Philadelphia in America, and in Ghana, or for like not more than eight months at a time because my parents were trying to settle where they wanted to go. Um, but they ultimately they came back to London, and so we've been in Kilburn until a few okay. years ago, and then we moved to West Ham. Nice. And then, so yeah, what uh, what word did your parents see to to take them to all those places? I guess because my mom was born here, but my dad was born in Ghana. Okay, so it was just like coming over here to find work and where family were. Yeah. So my we had family in Canada. That's why he wants to stay there and like get work and like get his stay in the country. <laughs> and then in Philadelphia again, they had family there, so working again for opportunities. And actually, they did. He did get a job there with Mercedes but it was because of me they had to move back to London I, I have sickle cell anemia and if you know America does not have free healthcare <laughs> so right. it was getting expensive for them because of me I kept going to hospital and so we had to move back to London where fortunately healthcare is right yeah. yeah I was going to ask you about the sickle cell because I know you raise a lot of money for for sickle cell charities so is that something that you were diagnosed with when you were very small or I'm not quite sure at what point um, people realize that that's something that they have. And what does it mean as well for you? So I was born with it, but my parents didn't know I had it. So they're both carriers. And when you're a carrier, you don't have any symptoms really. Uh-huh. And so you can go your whole life not knowing you carry. So when you get someone else who carries, you have a wonderful chance of having. So I was diagnosed around six months, so quite early. My fingers were swollen. My mum was like, what? <laughs> what's wrong with this baby? <laughs> and so I got diagnosed and that was a lot. It was very difficult because... 
it wasn't something my parents knew about really. It was like they'd heard about it like in an abstract sort of way, but it was like, yes. what's sickle cell? What was happening? Why do I get sick sometimes? Like what's triggering these episodes that's landing me in hospital? Yeah. So what does it, what does it mean? I would say cell anemia is an inherited blood disorder. It affects well everything, everywhere the blood goes. So your organs, it makes you really tired and it, it can trigger episodes of, of pain, uh, which is called a sickle cell crisis. And a sickle cell crisis is like, so sickles are sickle shaped, so that's like a banana shape. Instead of your red blood cells are banana shaped instead of being round and soft. And so they can get trapped in places, which is why my hands and feet sometimes swell up. So it's like if you held your wrist, you realize your hand will start swelling up. And that's what's happening to my body inside. Right. Like you can have a stroke. You, can, you There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that sickle cell can affect. It can make you tired as well because you're not getting enough oxygen because sickle cells can't hold as much oxygen as a normal red blood cell. So a lot of time spent in hospital, a lot of time just like lying down, not being able to do anything. Yeah. And it's why I started gaming because I had a lot of free time, <laughs> not being able to do much. Right, yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's why I'm a gamer. And do you take medication is it for that as well? Is it something for, to, I, does it, do you need your blood thin slightly or how does it work? What makes it bearable? I have to, I used to get transfusions, so blood transfusions. Um, I can't anymore, but I used to get blood transfusions, which was the best thing ever. I felt like a superhero afterwards. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing <laughs> because I had like good blood in me. Um, but yeah, I have to take medicine every single day um, to like control my my condition. My um, I'm immunocompromised. So I was social distancing before it was it became a thing during COVID. <laughs> it was like, oh, I know. I'm like, I've been doing this my whole life. <laughs> I was like... They were like, why do you have antibacterial already? I was like, I've been carrying antibacteria since I was born, basically, <laughs> because I can't touch anything. Because if someone sneezes down the road, I'll catch it. So stuff like that, I just have to be very hypervigilant of what I'm touching, <clears throat> washing my hands, like making sure that I'm not exposing myself to too many things in that way, because it, I get, I get, you know, colds very easily. And it also takes me a long time to get over them as well, because my immune system is not working very well. It's interesting. I guess with the, I guess that helps explain why some of these online, particularly you know online games where you play with other people and mm. have community, are so important to you, and why it's so important yeah. that those are safe places for you to play. Right? Because exactly, if you if you can't leave your house or go and hang out with people for whatever reason because you're poorly, then games are a wonderful way to like enable you to do that, aren't they? Exactly. So, that's why gaming is so important to me. I would say gaming helped save my life because it was such a life lifeline. <clears throat> a very difficult time in my life in terms of like coming to terms of, oh my God, I have this thing forever. There's no cure. What do I do? I can still talk to people. I can still compete, you know? And like I can, even if I'm not able-bodied, my mind is be as good as others. Right, Annabelle, let's come to your, your second game then, which uh, you've been slightly sneaky here and it's really three games wrapped into one, but so we'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from 20, 2012. Tell us what the game is and why you love it. Uh, Assassin's Creed. Oh, oh my God. But specifically SEO's Trilogy. SEO's yeah. Trilogy.
I love Assassin's Creed in, in general, but Ezio's trilogy is is so well crafted a trilogy, and that is very rare to find a get something that the first, second, and third you like them. So usually it's like, ah, but I love all three so like equally, <laughs> and the fact that they made Ezio old man Ezio in Revelations, no, I it was the first time I'd known like an old man to be like fit and young, and it just. It changed my perception of old people, I guess. When I played, I was like, he's so fit on you. I was like, you know. <laughs> I tell my niece and nephews, my, I'm like, I'm, I'm my third. They're like, you're so old. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you're ancient. So I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Come and meet Ezio. <laughs> he's so cool. Like, it was just the story. Like, I love storytelling. So I, before I got into gaming, I... I really like reading. I still like reading, like more than gaming, which is a big thing to make, I know. Um, but I like a good story. I love a very well-crafted story to get lost in because I was always in hospital. Like I really liked, oh my God, I can just open a book and I can be in this world and I don't have to feel like I'm on the ward. And so gaming was just like, it was like a book I could play. That's what I felt like, especially like these really strong narratives with these really rich worlds and Ezio's trilogy like just getting to know this character from the way he starts the middle like just the way they crafted that story from each game was so amazing and <laughs> I replayed that game so many times and it just never loses its magic for me <laughs> you know it's still so good it's just it's brilliant like <laughs> can't fault it very briefly to everyone knows what Assassin's <laughs> Creed is but the first three games in particular you play as this uh, assassin uh, related to the Knights Templar, I think, and you're sort of going around Italy mainly, aren't you, mm. and taking down targets and, and then hiding in hay bales to evade detection from the, the roaming soldiers. And each of the... I can't remember what the cities are of the first three games. Do you, do you remember off the top of your head? Oh, no, you, you're trying to kill the Templars. The Templars are actually villains in this. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they are the yeah. villains. They are the bad guys. You want to kill them. <laughs> but, and are all three set in uh, in Italy? Am I right in thinking that, or does it move around a bit? It, it does I'm move around. Sure. It does move around. He, Ezio is from Italy, though, yeah. but he does go to different places. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the games. <laughs> yeah, they've got this, and you're also, there's a whole parkour element to the oh games my God, yes. as well, where you can, you, you have to scale the towers in that way that's now very familiar in Ubisoft mm. open world games, and then you sort of look around from this high skyscraper and it fills out the map in the surrounding area and then you leap off to a swan dive, don't you, into a, leap into of a fake. bale of hay. A leap of fake, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's great. Yeah, into it's a bale great, of hay, which makes no sense at all, but it's it works for Assassin's Creed. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, right. So tell me, you, uh, you, you've said there that you were, uh, as well as being into games while you were. Uh, um, recuperating in hospital and things. You were also really into reading. What were you, what kind of stuff were you into when you were a kid? Oh, all sorts of books. Um, my parents started me off on like Judy Bloom books, but I really got into like sci-fi fantasy because yeah, I, I like a, a world you can escape into. But I also liked normal books, just about like Jacqueline also just like people going to school and just like because I felt like I couldn't experience those things, and so I was really interested in oh how to. I know I should I sh- I don't say this anymore. I was like, how do normal people live? What do they do? What do they do? Like, <laughs> just like to have like normal ordinary problems, you know. So were you not going into school then? Were you having to stay at home a lot of the time? Sometimes, yeah. So it would be sometimes like five week stretches in hospital. Yeah. So quite a long time. Some of my exams were sat in um, the hospital. So we had like a hospital school that I'd sometimes go to, and then even when I got home, I'd have to wait a bit <laughs> before I got back into school. So. It was yeah. It was not easy, but that's why these worlds that I could escape into was so important for me. Yeah, right. I can see why you were allowed video games then. <laughs> you know, at a, quite quite a young age, because I suppose they were they were seen as a very positive thing for you. Were you, were you able to play much in the hospital? Yeah, yeah. I was. I was able to. There was a gaming room. Oh, there was nice. <laughs> yeah, and I absolutely loved it. I was like, "This is so, this is amazing. I love this place." And so, and at what point are you thinking that you want to you want to become a writer? Because I, you know, you go on to study writing at university, so I'm guessing that was a dream of yours. When did that sort of surface? Oh, very young. So when I was writing these books, I, when when I was reading these books, I was like, I wanted to write my own stories as well. I was like, I love these mm-hmm. stories so much, and I start thinking up my own stories. So. They came almost at the same time when I started loving um, reading. I, I was like, I also wanted to create stories as well. And I guess it's something my dad really encouraged. We, when we, when we, whenever we went away, he was like, write a report over the weekend about like, if we'd go up like north to visit like relatives, he's like, everyone write a report about what we did this weekend. And I used to love it so much. <laughs> like, it was not homework to me. Like a little sort of journalistic feature about what you'd seen when you went off there. Exactly. Nice. And I loved it. So I guess because of that, it, it sort of brought that out of me in terms of like wanting to write. Oh, that's so cool. And so were you were you trying your hand at any novels at that time or did that come later? Oh, yeah, that came much. It was more like shorter stories. You know, like sort of snapshots, almost the way like we I'd been told to write by my dad, like report. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And then was it uh, when you go off to university? Was that made more complicated by the fact that you were having to go into hospital quite a lot, or how did that all work? That was a very difficult time, um, and thank goodness for like the support I had and my parents because it was very stressful, and I didn't know at the time, but stress is one of my biggest triggers. And I didn't, I didn't connect it just yet. So it was just, it was talking to the, to them about like this condition and not making the same mistakes I guess I made in secondary school. Right. In terms of just, I didn't tell people I had sickle cell. I, I was, I hid it because I was always get these looks of sympathy and people started treating me differently. So I was like, I can't do that in university because they kind of have to know why I keep disappearing every few 
you know, like, where'd you go? I don't know, I just would lie because I didn't want them to know I was sick and obviously well, ultimately they found out. Mm-hmm. So in second in, in um in university I was just like, this is the thing I have. And then they were like, Oh, there's all this support you're offered. And I was like, What? That's amazing. Thank you. So your uni- the university didn't know that you, you suffered from this when you first started? That's something that you revealed later? Or was it just the other students? No, no, no. At, at the beginning when I was applying, I definitely, I told them. Mm. Other students didn't know until I told them. Uh, sometimes they would like, they'd guess, they'd wonder if something was wrong. Because my eyes are quite yellow. That I'm quite jaundiced mm. naturally, even though I drink a lot of water. Their guesses sometimes were a bit hurtful. Like, did I have a drinking problem? Did I have this, like that? And so I was still a bit cagey about telling students about what was, why I was like this. And so it was eventually when I started opening up. But during the university, I wasn't really that upfront with the students. How did it feel when you, when you started sort of telling, uh, I suppose it's a very vulnerable moment, isn't it? Mm. But when you start opening up about that, how did it feel? Did it feel relief or, or because I suppose you were, you were hiding it because you wanted to be treated as someone that doesn't have you know the experience that you'd had in secondary school no it's it's so much better now to be honest and just let people know immediately what's wrong especially if i'm going to be around someone for a very long time why i can't do certain things why i was like oh if i make plans i have to cancel or if i'm having a crisis call the ambulance immediately this is not like because i don't always look like i'm sick but i'm i would like it's, it's a time sensitive thing if you don't get to the hospital within a certain time frame, it's one, you could die or like, like it's going to be so much longer, the recovery process. So it's, and um, I could just be sitting here like this and sorry, this is audio. So I could just be sitting here looking like I'm absolutely fine, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm actually dying. And so it, it, that also led me to be like, I have to stop telling people because like, for example, I did, when I, I went to visit my uncle and I didn't tell him that I did because I thought he knew it wasn't something I tried to hide. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, let's go for a walk. Let's walk it off. I didn't, I had pneumonia at the time. I didn't know. <laughs> he was like, let's just walk it off. I was like, oh, gosh, I'm about to. I don't think it works like that. I think I need medication and some other stuff. Um, and so that's also why it's important to tell people. But years of therapy have gotten me to this place of of, of sanity and just being honest yeah making peace with with your body i suppose isn't it exactly in some ways. yeah okay let's come to your your third game then annabelle i've uh you actually again wanted to pick <laughs> two games here but i've it's forced so you to That's come why. down on one rather than the other so this is <laughs> this is from 2013 tell us about this game oh i mean who doesn't know the last of us
like it's just not just because of the tv show which by the way was absolutely brilliant i was so happy with it because i was really nervous i was like please don't ruin one of my favorite games and they did oh the job they did with it no it was just absolutely brilliant if i had imagined it i couldn't have imagined something as amazing as what they actually did and the last of us again storytelling is why i love gaming so very well crafted story when my brother first told me about the last he's oh this horror game this new horror i was like huh horror game i don't know even though i like horror films i was like why would i play a horror because it's like reading a horror like well you know when you're reading a horror book you have to get past the part that scares you it's not like a film you could just pause it you have to like, oh my god this is so scary i have to just keep reading it though because i'm afraid and so i was like that's the same thing's gonna happen with the game i have to get past this level and if i'm stuck on this level that's terrifying me what am i gonna do that's how he pitched it so i was like oh, i don't know <laughs> he's like oh, try it trust me you're gonna like it it's a good story and that's those are the key words and i was like oh good story that always hooks me in and I'm so glad I listened to him because, oh my goodness, I was like, this game is amazing. This game is wonderful. Very well-crafted story. And the debates that it has sprung up about people, about who was right and who was wrong. There's so many spiritual debates that we've had in this household as well about, did Joel make the right decision and all of this? Like, it's just... Yeah, so, so just to explain this to anyone who hasn't played the game. So it's set in post-apocalyptic America and um, features this uh, father figure, Joel, and the girl at the centre of the drama. Just to explain what, what you're talking sure. about there, the debates over... With <laughs> uh, Ellie, who is the... I guess Ellie and Joel are both the protagonists, and she is in the first game, and there's this, this zombie apocalypse, and she's... This is a spoiler, but I hope everyone would have either watched it or um, played the game. She's immune. And to get the, the she so to get the cure out of her, they'd have to kill her because the cure is in her brain. And Joel stops this from happening because they didn't ask Ellie. They literally just put her under and were going to kill her without her permission to get the cure, which would have saved millions, yeah. I know. But they could have just asked her. Anyway, Joel kills the doctor who will save humanity, <laughs> rescues Ellie, and they get out of the way. He lies to Ellie and tells her that unfortunately this you know it didn't work out and all that sort of thing and it's a spawn the debate after debate after debate as to whether joel did the right thing to, to escape with ellie he killed i don't know dozens of people to do it but he actually we had to do he had to protect ellie and that was his job and that's the job that they gave him to do so you kind of re-put you sir you told this man to protect this girl with your life and he did that to a t then you try and kill the same girl. Like, I think Ellie would have said yes. But they didn't give her the opportunity to say yes. That's that's my personal gripe. I was like, ask Ellie. And then that would have calmed Joel down. Yeah. She was the only person that would have been able to convince Joel that she wanted to save humanity this way. But because they took away her choice, Joel had to protect her. So, yeah. Again, that's why it's so brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's this very sort of climactic scene where they're they're escaping from the hospital, aren't they? And um, it's such a hard level, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I yeah. How did that feel as someone who had spent a great deal of her life in hospitals playing that oh, section? No, it felt, um, I guess I like, maybe yeah. <laughs> come rescue me, Joe. I was with Joe. I was like, yeah, she <laughs> she doesn't want to be there. Trust me. Shoot the doctor. <laughs> escape immediately the amount of times i've thought about escaping from hospital loads of times so that was actually a very satisfying scene 
I loved it. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so <laughs> let's uh, let's get back to your story then, Annabelle. So you am I right in thinking you you've worked for the NHS for a bit as well? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So that's uh, so you you graduate with your degree in literature and and English literature and um, writing as well, and then. Um, yeah, so what took you, I guess you'd been in and around the NHS for a long time of your life. What's, uh, what made you decide to, to go there, to go back there? Oh, genius. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I guess it, I, my sister was working there and she was just like, they have very good, they would also understand. So saying I have sickle cell, people are they're like, huh, what? Is usually the reaction I get. Now, when you say the same thing in a hospital, you don't usually get that reaction. I'm kidding. You actually do. Really? Even by some doctors. I, I have, I've had a doctor ask me, when did I get sickle cell? And I was like, oh dear. Because it's an inherited condition. I was born with it. So I was like, oh, well, you're not treating me. Because <laughs> clearly you don't. <laughs> yeah. Back to <laughs> medical school for you. <laughs> Working was always very problematic because wherever I worked, sometimes in the past, I used to hide it. Obviously, it would eventually come out because... I can't not get sick, unfortunately. That's just my lot in life. And then they would be like, why do you keep Ooh. missing work? Sometimes I just try to use my annual leave, but I can't always predict when I'm going to be sick. And so that working for an institution that would, I guess, make adjustments as well was important to be like, oh, if I can work from home sometimes, if I can work with, like, in a place where I don't have to be around patients, in a place where I can be very closed off, in a place mainly just nothing that's physically demanding as well you know because mm. i can't do it i've tried to but i just it's not possible yeah. so alongside your your work with the uh, nhs you also of course do your work with with melanin gamers we talked about i listened to another interview with you where you were saying that um there's still a stigma around working in and around video games and i think that's true across the board you know if you say you work when I was younger and mainly reviewing video games, if I would say that to people, they'd go, oh, you just sit around all day doing nothing or whatever. And I'm sure lots of people who work in games get that as well or have had that. But you seem to be saying that this is especially something in black communities that it can be a bit yeah. down on. Um, yeah, it still is right now. Has that been your day. experience? It's getting better, but it's still definitely, uh, oh, gaming is just, that's not a career path. That's just something that you do in your leisure time. It is still, of course, something you can do in your leisure time. But there's actual careers, you know, in gaming that are like nine to five jobs, that sort of thing. And it's still something that, oh, you just sit around doing. I'm just like, no, you gamers are some of the hardest working people that I know. Creating a game, you know how much effort that takes. It takes a lot. And so it's frustrating that that's something that is actually really difficult is seen as is easy you know, or lazy, that sort of thing. Yeah, I wonder where that comes from. Maybe it's uh, linked in some way to the poor representation of people from people of colour within the games industry. So there's just not that understanding. But of course, I mean, it's a monumental industry and you always get the stats trotted out about how it's bigger than (laughs) films and music are put together and all that nonsense. But, you know, it is true. It's definitely definitely an industry. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it is. Yeah. It's making a lot of money. And so I'm just like, why are people not getting in on that? But I now? mean, you, you, your yeah. organisation, Melanin Gamers, you won, as I mentioned in the introduction, you won Barnett's Big Idea Entrepreneurial Prize in 2020. Surely that's had an effect as as people around you can see mm, yeah, the impact there is that change, you're having. But it's still slow. And I think it's because of education, which is why we focus on that quite a lot now more than ever in terms of like working with different schools, colleges, that sort of things, community centres, um, 
so that just people know that there is another option kind of thing in terms of a career path. Why don't we uh, come to your your fourth game then, Annabelle, which is from uh, 2014. This is a slightly different pace to the first three games, I think. Uh, A bit more domestic scale. Tell us about this one. 2014. Is it? The Sims 4. Is it 2014? Oh, The Sims 4. (laughs) Was that 2014? Apparently. I looked it up. Oh my goodness, no way. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? I will fact check myself on that, but uh, I did look. Uh, <laughs> I did be. look it up. The Sims Four. I, I'm not trying to like know that. It's just it's unbelievable. I believe you. It's just it's unbelievable. Like 2014 was that? What's that yeah, like? I just looked it up. The second of September 2014. Well, that's when it was released in uh, North America. And the, oh, actually, in the the if you played it on console, they came out a couple of years later, 2017. No, no, I I got that on on oh, PC. You did? Okay. I, <laughs> what? Insane that we were playing with it, and I got it the day it came out. I was so excited. I, I, it was sealed as well, and I was just waiting. I had an exam when it came out. My exams were there, and I was like, if I, if I unseal it, I will play it. So I, it was just like it oh, was a little treat for when you it. finish your exam. <laughs> <laughs> I kept touching it like I was like, I can't wait, I can't wait. <laughs> I was so hyper, like. And I just, and it did not disappoint me at all. And my expectation was sky high. Mm. And it was just, it met every, I'm still playing Sims now. Like that's, that's why I find it so hard to beat like, Sims at all. <laughs> I guess it's because there's so many like expansion packs. Mm. I still feel so fresh. So I'm, I'm guessing Sims 4 wasn't your first Sims game. So what was it about the fourth one no. that you loved so much? The graphics, the improvements of different things that you could do. And also it was the first time I played Sims on PC, properly, my own, I got myself a gaming laptop as a treat. And it was like, this my, This gaming laptop was customized. It was pink. I Pink is my favorite color. And I was just like, this is, I want to play Sims on this. This is why I've gotten it for Sims. <laughs> and that is it. Every, everything ran so smoothly. It was just perfect. I just, I had so many hours of Sims. I still have the, it records how, like, it will give you, like, a little notification this time. 11 hours and 30 minutes is how. And I've never played another game for that long a stretch in one sitting. Oh, in one sitting. Oh, that's good going. I know. And I'm just like, uh, it was time very well spent. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you had to sit in The Sims. Everyone knows what The Sims is, but you, so it's sort of like a doll's house simulator. I mean, that, that makes it sound less than what it is, but you, you look after... Oh, it's play with life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a, you look after a home and there's people and there's relationships and you set things up and what kind of, uh, what kind of overseer are you to your Sims? Are you, are you benevolent and kind to them? Oh, it depends on what story I'm telling. <laughs> That's why I love The Sims. You can, I, I do a, a story for every Sim that I have. So I have like a really extensive backstory. And then like, this is how I kind of want to think. So before I even start, I'm just like, okay, this is this is what's her, what her teenage years were like. And this is why she acts like this. So there's a very big backstory that I write for every character. Really? Okay, tell us tell us one of them. Give us an example. So currently, <laughs> as soon as I'm playing now, which is why I still can't believe it's 2014. It's, I, I, I'm playing one of the in-game characters, but I've changed her story. So she's quite a snobby woman, but 
she's sort of had a change of heart because she meets this farmer that she's she's shooting <laughs> she's an actress and they're like using his farm to film on location <laughs> she falls in love with him and everything like that but she kind of just feels like she has to hide him away because of her glitz and glam life <laughs> he's also training secret farm boy lover that she's ashamed of <laughs> and, and um but he's actually very clever so he's an astronaut <laughs> and she doesn't know this so he has his own backstory so every character so he i've written his backstory as well and so he goes away like so the time that she's trying to um he goes away for five years on a space mission. She's she's had a child that's now five years old. <laughs> so the day that she goes to say that she actually wants to like go public with their relationship, his spacecraft <laughs> blows up, and she witnesses. <laughs> so I'm not that benevolent, clearly. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> she. So she feels real bad that. Uh... Oh yeah, she really does. Oh wow, and she has a very strained relationship with her daughter because of it. So that's the story that I'm actually. Right now. <laughs> okay. A lot of this is happening <laughs> off screen though, isn't it? This is just not stuff that's actually happening in the game. You're just writing this sort of as backstory in your head for while you're playing. Yeah. The, the stuff that happens in the game is when she has the daughter. So I start the story of when she has the daughter. Mm. So then I play the daughter who's much younger and I play her as well. Mm. And then their relationship, that's when I can get to interact with different things. Right, right, right. I see. So the rest of it happened as a story I wrote. But you can actually input that story with The Sims and you can click on it, which is pretty cool. Okay, you should do a book of these, like a little collection of all your Sim stories and uh, put it out. I think people would be into that. And people have done that and they've been able to do full length. So they can, you know, the part even I mentioned about her, him, his his spaceship gangplank. People have been able to actually craft that. Oh, right. And like, yeah, it's it's crazy. Wow. It's amazing what they can do with Sims. Cool. I just, I feel like I've yeah, I'm a bit behind on on when Sims community is that. Wow, it sounds incredible. Oh wow, it's a huge community. Um, cool. So um, yeah, I mentioned I mentioned in the intro that you have been representing the Ghanaian Esports Federation in um, international relations. Tell me about how did that come about and and what does that work entail? So I'm, I'm from Ghana, like, you know, that's my ancestry. And so I wanted to, so whenever we go back to Ghana, we go back for holiday sometimes. Yeah. And we used to game in these like little, you know, like a giant container, basically, you know, those shipping containers. Yeah. They'd like, they'd set up like gaming systems there and people would just go and pay to game. They'd like through PlayStation, then you could go into those containers to game. And so when I went back to Ghana, 2020 to put on a, I was like, I know Ghana has had a gaming yeah. industry since when I was young, when we were going back and playing in those little containers. And so I wanted to put on an event there. So I reached out to people who were already in Ghana. Um, and some of the people who were following us, Melanie Gamers, they were from Ghana. So I was like, I'd love to put on a tournament actually Ooh. over there. And so I went back and I realized that it's actually way more advanced than the containers that we used to play, <laughs> right. uh, which was amazing. And I was like, this is so cool. I can't believe how much. Of course it would be though. So I don't know why I was surprised. Yeah. Other people who were seeing what Melanie Gamers were doing. So like the owner of Arena, which is a gaming, like an uh, esports center, which I'd liken it to something in London. The owner is from Canada. Yeah. OTM as well. Um, the owner is, is Polish. So these are like larger scale gaming centers. And so just wanting to do events there and also just shine a light on the gaming industry in in Ghana and like West Africa and Africa as a whole and the fact that there was one so because even when I put some of the pictures online people were like oh my god I can't believe they have electricity right oh jeez <laughs> like 
what? Come on now. Electricity? Really? Is that what we're doing? So it was important to sort of change that stigma. Because even when they were just like, oh, you're in Africa. I was like, I'm in Ghana, which is in West Africa. Which yeah. is like, Africa is not a country. It's a continent. It's filled with loads of different. So it's it's also that sort of changing the, the narrative there a little yeah. bit. Um, and the work that we were doing. So we went back in, we were there in 2021. And then in 2022, we put on the first event that EA sponsored in, it was the first event that EA had ever sponsored in, in West Africa. In, Ghana uh, in-person event and so that was a really big deal and putting that on that was amazing right what uh, what game were people playing Apex of course of course come on <laughs> um, and of course FIFA so Ghana is a very very big football nation a huge football nation and they love FIFA over there they love FIFA over in across the continent especially West Africa because games like FIFA uh, can be played live and you can get very good at them so they don't need, um, I guess, a lot of internet. Use, like internet is very expensive, yep. so it's, it can be, you can get very good at it in a, in a cheaper way than games like uh, Call of Duty or Overwatch or Apex because you'd have to collect for stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we we obviously we had a FIFA tournament, Apex tournament, because you know Apex is amazing. And so just playing that game and, and having a tournament and showcasing the talent that was there was very important. And then esports, the esports federation in Ghana like saw the work that I was. I was doing many games are doing just like we would love to sort of partner with you like the way that you keep bringing like outside sources into Ghana and then that's why they offered me the the role of international relations yeah oh that's fantastic yeah best better be pleased when you turned up with EA in your pocket (laughs) (laughs) yes they were (laughs) they were very happy about that (laughs) that's wonderful well I mean this seems like a really good time to come to your fifth and your final game so uh, tell us about this one. You just mentioned it there. What's the game and how did you get into it? Apex Legends, my, one of my favourite games ever. Apex launched quite, I guess it was, it didn't have any marketing, it just launched on the day. And so people were like, what's this game? And it will, it creates such a buzz, a huge influx of players. And I was just looking at the players and I was like, I'd never seen a game like this that launched just like that um, with so many diverse characters. And I was like, this is amazing. And it made the characters who they were rather than that's a black character, that's this character. It was just, that's a character, you know, and they were more than their race which is what I really liked. So, cause I, I went to read about the lore of the game and I, I realized that it's from a um, Titanfall universe. So Titanfall was a game that came up before from Respawn. Amazing game. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal game. I, I went back to play it. Um, so good. Yeah. The lore, like it, I was like, this is amazing. Um, and like, I, I love a very good story. So my brother was like, this is from Titanfall. So Titanfall was like, what's that? And then obviously I had to go back and play Titanfall, but I was just, downloaded i was like oh i don't know if i want to play this because i guess if a week earlier i just i don't like f first person games i like to see the character because you know i like to control the character like 
I'm a swimmer. That's, that's where I'm coming from. It's like you could just see the gun. I don't, I didn't really like. That's why I could never get into Call of Duty because it was like just seeing the gun. How do I immerse right. myself in this story? I don't like ah, it. Interesting. Yeah. And Apex was FBS. Um, and I was like, oof. But he was like, trust me, you're going to like it. It's from Patrick. I was like, okay. I was very bad. I was awful. And before that, I'd only played Rainbow Six like a week or two earlier. So I'd just been getting into FBS. And I was like, I don't know if I like this, but. I was determined to like see where the story was going with this. I really liked the different things that they'd done. And my brother was like, he would teach me. And he really helped me because my aim was awful. Awful. <laughs> I just hid in a corner, to be honest. I, I wasn't even trying to shoot anyone else. So we should say Apex is a, it sits within the battle royale genre. So, which for anyone who doesn't know, started with, well, the, you know, the, the very famous film Battle Royale and, and the, and the books. It's a bit like Hunger Games, isn't it? Where you're, dropped into onto an island or onto a world and you have to scavenge for weapons and then all the time the sort of playable circle area gets smaller and smaller pushing everyone together and it's just basically the last player out of the 100 or 150 is the winner isn't it and with it with apex there are a few sort of innovations aren't there it's a bit more athletic your characters is that right yeah every each character has like different skill sets you know so there's like a tank player um medic um people who do up more damage than more dps characters so and everyone sort of has special abilities i usually generally play the medic role but then i was getting very much into dps after i realized that i can actually aim <laughs> i started being able to aim i was like i actually get good at this so dps is the character the the role on the team where you're just trying to cause as much damage as possible yeah do, yeah. yeah exactly and that's so i play either medic or dps so those are the two different characters I play. And I just absolutely fell in love with Apex. And I really liked that I could um, talk to other people, friends as well, playing this, uh, which was really great for just when I was like by myself at home or I couldn't leave the house. That's all the thing. I was like, we can just go on to Apex and we can play this game and we can still talk to each other. And it's, 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 you know, and a lot of us can be in the party, if we're, even if we're all not playing the game, we can all just sit around this, the PlayStation chat and just, yeah game it's funny i think during the pandemic like people really started to see what you're describing there so it became a universal experience right when no one could get out suddenly people were just hanging out or you know especially young people were hanging out in Fortnite, and they're really just you know hanging out with their friends they're not really playing the game it's the game is secondary isn't it but uh yeah yeah oh, wonderful it was yeah. just lovely and it was just so much and, and and i got to make different friends that way that I got to meet in person earlier this year in New York. I was like, I'd been playing with people for like five years. This was before Apex um, online. And then we got to meet in person. I was like, oh my God, you're real. <laughs> it was just so cool because I was like, we've been gaming for like, I felt like I know you. And now we're like, right. so that's, uh, yeah, Apex has really connected me with me with a lot of people that I, I now know in, in real life as well. And one of my friends, she's actually my real friend now. <laughs> but she was a gamer. She was just like a random and now we're friends and it's just... Now you actually talk outside of Apex. Exactly. <laughs> so it's... And I cos I've, I've cosplayed, I've dressed up as one of the characters from the game as well. Um, and so... And I guess I started putting on Apex tournaments because I became... I became... I love... I started loving this game. And that's when EA reached out right. to us because I was doing that. So I wasn't actually doing it for their attention. <laughs> <laughs> Which is insane because now I feel like it sounds like I was, but I didn't think someone is big as EA would ever reach out to us because they were just like local sort of things that we yeah, were doing. Yeah. 
um, just because I really love this game so much. I was like, you know, like how I'm part of Assassin's Creed forums because I really love this game. I just want to talk yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> so if there was Assassin's Creed Battle Royale, I would have probably done tournaments on that too. <laughs> but Apex is set up in a way where you can do tournaments. And so I was running a lot of different tournaments for Apex. And a lot of people joined in um, because they were also obsessed with the game. Oh, wonderful. Right. Great. Well, Annabelle, let's uh, let's go through your console here. So we've got Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, Assassin's Creed, Ezio's Trilogy, The Last of Us Part 1, The Sims 4, and Apex Legends. That's going to keep you going for years, isn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, good story. Sims, I mean, Sims is 2014, like you said, and I'm still playing it as if it just came out. So Excellent. Right, we need a we need a name for your console that we're going to market it to the world so that everyone else can enjoy your five games. Have you got an idea for what you'd like to call it? Oh, I don't know. What would I call it? A console? I'm not sure. I'm sorry, I should have mentioned this to you before. <laughs> what what would I call a console? Uh, I I can tell you some examples of um, some of the things that other people who have been on the podcast have called this. So, for example, Josh. Actually, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know because I, I, that will influence my oh, decision okay. if I hear someone else. I think I might call my console maybe Evolve. Nice. You know? It's simple, but it's like... Classic. Yeah, it's classic. It's also just like maybe adding to it the way you can always add to Sims or, or the way um, Apex. Every season there's something mm-hmm. new for the base. The heart of it is always the same. So Evolve. Yeah, lovely. The Evolve. Very good. Right. Well, it's been so good to meet you and chat. Just before I let you go, Annabelle, I've got one last question. So what can what can white people in the industry do to support your work um, better? You know, lots of people who work in games listen to this podcast. What can they, what can they do to help support you and your aims of your organisation? I guess they can join Melanie Gamers. Melanie Gamers is if they believe, because we do have a lot of people from different backgrounds. You, you don't have to be a person of colour to join Melanie Gamers. And we have loads of people in Melanie Gamers because it's important that we all are championing this, you know, to, to wherever you're from. Like there's a lot of causes I champion that doesn't affect me personally, but I know that this is important, right. you know. So we did a lot for Pride. I'm not LGBTQ, but I know that it's an important cause. You know, I can see that it's an important cause. And so... If there are people who are white who understand that, who believe that in systemic racism, then you want to promote inclusion diversity, I think they should support Melanie Gamers' goals. They can join our community. They can champion our causes, share our stuff online, check out our website and the different work that we're doing. Donate to Melanie Games because we are not for profit. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's so many things that they can do. Maybe also if they're gaming, next time online, check their friends and what they're saying to you as well, because... We always want to make sure that these spaces are protected and are safe and everyone's having a good yeah. time. Yeah, maybe if someone had done that, then your brother Alan would have uh, got to keep playing Overwatch. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, brilliant. And where can people do? Where can people find your work? What's the web address? Oh, uh, themeloningamers.com. Meloningamers.com. Brilliant. Yeah. Annabelle, it's been lovely to, to uh, meet you and to hear your story. Thank you for sharing it with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to my guest, Annabelle Ashley Anthony. What a what a fun chat that was and what a thoroughly lovely young person Annabelle is. Um, it was great hearing her 
enthusiasm for each of her five choices. She loves those games and it was really brilliant to hear her discussing those. Particularly enjoyed her telling us the story, the backstory that she's written for each of her sims that she's currently playing as. Just great, great stuff. Um, as well, really grateful to Annabelle for just being so open about living with um, sickle cell and her experiences with that and of course the role that video games have played for her along of course with novels and uh, and other works of fiction but the role that video games have played for her in I guess providing her a bit of escape a bit of focus um, things to do like that a bit of in the case of The Last of Us Part 1 a bit of uh, fantasy escapism around the idea of being able to flee the hospital that has become a bit of a prison camp for you so um yeah i'm just so grateful to annabelle for for talking about all of that so openly and frankly and um i hope you enjoyed that too um maybe some of you also have um illnesses that you've lived with for a long time and so uh, i'm sure hearing annabelle talk about her experiences um living with her her body and her particular challenges uh, would have been meaningful to you i hope melanin gamers the group that annabelle uh, runs you can find out more about them by visiting www.themelanin.gamers.com there you can just follow their news their articles but most importantly get involved in their community if that is something that would be helpful to you um of course, yes, Annabelle was explaining that they will host online gaming events and uh, things like that. And so perhaps that's something that you would like to get involved in as a place where you can be guaranteed that no one's going to call you terrible names or uh, use slurs and things like that. Or perhaps you are an organisation who would like to partner with Melanin Gamers and um, you know have a bit of what they have to offer at your events or at your company. So get in contact with them. Uh, they are obviously a good bunch. You can also follow their work on Instagram at Melanin Gamers, and they're also on Twitter uh, at Melanin Gamers too. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been an exciting month, hasn't it? We've we're currently in September 2023. If you're listening to this, so we've had some really good episodes that people have enjoyed. Peter Molyneux a couple of weeks ago, um, that episode caused quite a bit of a splash, as we might imagine from uh, Peter Molyneux speaking publicly and openly. There were a bunch of news reports around that and some follow-ups and things like that. So yeah, just you can just Google Peter Molyneux and you can catch up on some of that ongoing saga. And then, of course, yeah, Clint Hocking last week. So great stuff. Thank you to those of you who have written to me suggesting some guests. Loads of you have done that. Oh my gosh, my list of people to approach is very long. Thomas Hattersley. Uh, wrote suggesting I have a suggestion for a guest I don't know how easy it would be to get him but as a child of the 80s I would love to hear Dominic Diamond of Games Master yes that would be that would be great wouldn't it I actually have spoken to Rab Florence as well who was the presenter of the recent Games Master um, reunion that's not quite the word reboot that is the word uh, and so Rab was up for coming on but uh, yeah, we just got to figure out a date so yes and I'll also try and drop Dominic aligned at some point. Uh, some ideas here from uh, a dear listener, Matthew Block. He writes uh, uh, Jeremy Blaustein, Lee Alexander, Matt Black, who of course is one half of the uh, the 
the DJ group Cold Cut, Ian Bell, who worked with David Braben to make Elite. I am hoping, actually, in fact, to get David Braben on here. Uh, Julian Gollop, who worked on XCOM with his brother, I believe. Roberta Williams, one of the uh, real uh, grandmothers of the internet, if that's not if that's not pejorative. I think she's in her 70s. But anyway, yes, Roberta, that would be a very good person to get on as well. Ian McDonald, um, he also suggests um, Julian Gollop or his brother Nick. Uh, uh, um, Ian also says another game I sank a lot of time into in the past was Championship Manager. Now, of course, Football Manager. Uh, the brothers behind the original were Paul and of Collier. I'd love to hear either one of them on podcast too. Yes, I know Miles Jacobson as well, who works on Football Manager and who has a really interesting story coming from the music industry to work in the games industry. So I might also approach him. So yeah, thank you. There's lots more, uh, lots more, but I'll stop there. But yeah, please do keep suggesting people. I have to say there seems to be a lot more interest in hearing from uh, game designers and people who work in the games industry. Um, But I am going to like continue to ask for people, public figures, celebrities, comedians, whatever you want to call them to come on, because I think it's interesting to hear from uh, people who work from outside of the games industry, as well as... Um, those people who work within it. I hope you don't mind that. If you would like to get involved and give deeper feedback or hear about plans with the podcast, please come and be a supporter. Patreon.com forward slash My Perfect Console. You will get your episodes early, ad-free. You'll get access to the community. You get to hear what four or five guests are coming up before each month. So that's a nice heads up. Later this year, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do it, but I've got to figure this out. We're going to be doing a knockout competition to crown the My Perfect Console of the Year. Uh, and yes, as well, there's like a, a dear group of uh, of supporters who are currently doing lots of um, nerdy stuff to bring our database of all the game choices to some lovely visualisation. I think there's a plan even to let members of the public upload their or choose their five games and present those somehow on the website. I don't know, some plans afoot if you'd like to get involved in those, pop along to Patreon. If you just would like to follow the news of the podcast, go to twitter.com forward slash Simon Parkin uh, or twitter.com forward slash my perfect console. Those are the two handles that are relevant. Um, and yeah, you can you can just catch up on what guest is coming out next week and also read a list of the guest choices for the previous week. Uh, okay right that's a lot of talking that's probably enough from me i will be back again who have we got next week we've got kieran gillen the comic book writer who started out on pc gamer uh, like a legendary games journalist who then has become a legendary comic book author who's written for star wars for x-men for everyone going as well as his own brilliant series such as phonogram wicked and the divine Um, and uh, his current project, which I think is called Dice. Anyway, it's going to be a corker. Uh, It's good to have you along for the ride. I'll see you again next week with Kieran and his five game choices and one more perfect console. Till then, goodbye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.